Welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zempeoper in Dresden, Germany. And of course, I have the flu. This week, Dr. François Germain and I focus on the text to Que fais-tu, Blanche Tourterelle, from Gounod's Roméo et Juliette, dealing with a lot of French grammar. There are two versions of episode 107, the full video tutorial or an audio version for people who prefer to listen to podcasts while they're out and about. For more information about François Germain or for the accompanying PDF of this text, which includes an IPA transcription along with poetic and word-for-word translations, please visit dictionpolice.com. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or Twitter at Diction Police. Gounod's Roméo et Juliette was set to a text by Jules Barbier and Michel Carré, who also wrote the libretto to Gounod's Faust and many other operas, including Offenbach's Tales of Hoffmann. Stefano's aria, Que fais-tu, Blanche Tourterelle, comes up just after the lovers have gotten married. Stefano mocks the Capulet family and hints that their white dove, Juliette, may fly from their nest of vultures. This scene does not occur in the original Shakespeare play. Depuis hier, je cherche en vain mon maître. Est-il encore chez vous, mes seigneurs Capulet? Voyons un peu si vos dignes valets à ma voix ce matin oseront reparaître. Que fais-tu, blanche tourterelle, dans ce nid de vautours? Quelques jours déployant ton aile, tu suivras les amours. Au vautour, il faut la bataille pour frapper des stocks et de taille, leurs becs sont aiguisés. Laisse-là ces oiseaux de proie, tourterelle qui fait ta joie des amoureux baisers. Gardez bien la belle, qui vivra verra, votre tourterelle vous échappera. Un ramier loin du ver bocage, par l'amour attiré, à l'entour de ce nid sauvage a, je crois, soupiré. Les vautours sont à la curée, leurs chansons que fuit si résonnent à grand bruit. Cependant, en leur douce ivresse, nos amants comptent leur tendresse aux astres de la nuit. Okay, with this text, we are going to jump all over the place because I have a few favorite things that come up every single time that I coach. And a lot of them actually come from grammar. Like the fact that we have... In the second verse of this, we have an A followed by a comma, and then the words, I think, and then soupiré. And my favorite thing to do is when I'm at the end of this, I just ask the singer, what does this A mean? So I'm just going to ask you, what does this A mean? Well, it, it is a funny looking thing, actually, even, even for a French person, the A with the comma right after it. So just, um, just to be clear, we're talking about A, je crois, soupiré. When you have A on its own in French, you, you will either find it with an accent grave or without the accent grave. If it doesn't have the accent grave, it indicates to you that this is the verb to have. It's some form of the verb to have. Yeah. And it's and it's not the actual exclamation A because it should be A-H then, right? That's correct. So if, that, uh, if you have A-H, it's A. Ah, right. Which is what most people answer when they get here. They say, oh, it means A. Ah. Yes. 
So it's not that. <laughs> so we know it's not that. So now it's either going to be the, the preposition a, the one that usually we have with the accent grave, mm -hmm. or the verb to have. Exactly. So in this case, we don't have the accent grave, so it's the verb to have. Just before I go on, I'll just point out that the, the other type of a is right before that in the verse before. Alentour de ce nid sauvage. And then it's the preposition to. That's correct. That's a preposition, and you know it's a preposition because it has the accent grave. Will it always have the accent grave even if it's capitalized? That's a good question. Uh, no, actually. Okay. Uh, you will find... So the, the usage used to be, uh, when I was a kid, we learned that if you capitalize a letter, it cannot have any accent on it. Mm -hmm. The modern usage uh, has sort of gone come away from that, and even capital letters will have uh, accents on them mm -hmm. now. So you will find it like it is here with a capital capital A accent grave. That's also, but uh, so yes, it's it's a good little caveat because okay. sometimes you can't tell if it's capital letter. Mm -hmm. But here we know that we have a capital A with the accent and a capital A without the accent. So we know that the one without the accent is the verb to have. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this looks strange is because the word order is a little bit uh, turned around because of the verse mm -hmm. of poetry. So, A really belongs to soupirer. It's the passé composé, the past tense in mm -hmm. France. With the helping verb. That's correct. So, A is a helping verb. A soupirer is the verb group in this case, and usually you would see them together. Mm -hmm. The question that you have to ask yourself is where the subject of that verb is. And this is where I have so much fun with this, because literally, the subject of this verb is so far away. It's literally the very, very beginning of the second verse. It's aramier. Exactly. And then you have commas, 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 commas. So everything between there is literally just getting in the way of saying un ramier. A soupirer. So that should be the, the, the simple core sentence. The clause here is un ramier a soupirer. A dove side. Exactly. But then there's all these added uh, qualifiers in between that really make this sort of convoluted and, and obscure, right? Yeah. So for those of us who loved diagramming sen sentences as children, like crazy people like me, mm -hmm. this makes lots and lots of sense. For people who did not enjoy diagramming sentences, embrace your inner diagrammer because this is the kind of thing that will really help you figure out the structure of this kind of sentence. Yeah, that's correct. And, uh, and if you don't uh, do that little bit of analysis, then you won't actually be able to translate this properly. Exactly. And, and therefore not sing it properly. That's correct. You know, the I guess the saving grace for this particular example is that the pronunciation doesn't really change from the two types of ahs. No, but the difference is if you sing if you sing this ah as an exclamation, you say, ah, je crois, right. and it, mean, it makes it, it gives it a different... Yeah, and also I think it, 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 it's also nice to have a, not really a separation between the A and the Je, but the awareness that it's not A Je Croix, but it's A Je Croix Soupiré. Exactly. And since we're talking grammar, we get our third person plurals in this next section of the verse. And the reason this becomes a big deal is because one of them, we could see this word in a completely different usage in grammar. So we're talking about the, the words uh, raisonne and then compte. And, con, and with compte, we also have content. Yes. So you, this... Content. Sorry, I should say that. It means... Content. Yes. So it could be content. If, mm -hmm. you, if you see that word out of context, you have no way of knowing whether it's content as in uh, content or compte as in tell the story. Yeah. In this case, you have to, again, 
figure out whether this is a verb, whether it has a subject attached to it, whether it makes sense for it to be a verb. And if you look, you see that here we have nos amants contre leur tendresse. So our lovers tell of their tenderness. Mm -hmm. And this tells you that you're dealing with the verb here, not with the uh, adjective uh, content. And therefore, it's a third person plural, ENT ending, that turns into a schwa and not an anaison. Exactly. And with the first word, raison, we also get the liaison after this. We do. So liaison, just a quick reminder, liaison is when uh, you have a sign consonant at the end of a word that gets pronounced because of uh, the fact that it's followed by a word that starts with a vowel. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of rules that are attached to this, whether you're allowed to do it, not allowed to do it, have to do it. Uh, that's how we don't have to get into that right now. Just know that in this case, you have a verb followed by a preposition, and that's usually a case of a, uh, a mandatory liaison. Mm -hmm. So that T that was silent and raisonne, with just a schwa at the end, becomes pronounced. Raisonne ta grand bruit, not raisonne a grand bruit. Exactly. And to sort of circle back to our first discussion with the A, in this case too, the subject is actually a little bit far removed from raisonne. And the subject here is leur chanson que fuit citéré. You have that, this whole other clause in the middle. Raisonne ta grand bruit. So exactly. this is how also you know that this is a verb and not something else. Exactly. Part of the reason we do liaisons is because in French we don't like to have two vowels back to back. Typically, yes. But we actually get two vowels back to back in sort of the recitative of this aria. Yes, so sometimes, um, sometimes there's no way to avoid that and you will have vowel collisions. You know, it's not like Italian, for instance, where you have all these phrasal diphthongs and they're, you know, a dime a dozen all over the place. Exactly. In French, it's, it's much rarer to have two vowels, a word that ends in a vowel and a word that starts in a vowel, so you have to sort of know what to do about that. Here in the verse, à ma voix ce matin, oserons reparaître. You have matin that ends in the nasal vowel, e, open e, matin, and then oserons that starts with the o. Matin here also has a silent N, so you could be tempted with this logic to do the liaison. But in this case, we don't because we normally don't do a liaison after a noun in the singular, which mm -hmm. is what matin is in this case. So here we're just going to go from matin to oseron pretty smoothly. Like we don't want to, we don't want to really elide them. We don't want to tie them together overly, mm -hmm. but we also don't want to have a, a glottal separation between the two. We could also have a slight separation if we want to, as long as we're not then going, oh, That's correct. Tongue. And I think the separation here is more a matter of text clarification and, and grammar again. Because here again, uh, oseron is a verb, uh, and the subject to the verb is a little bit before that, si vos dignes valet, and then this insertion of à ma voix ce matin, and then finally the verb for digne valet, oseron. So it, it helps to just have a little bit of separation to clarify that matin and oseron are not grammatically related. Exactly. They're not strongly tied together. Exactly. One word that comes up often too is this déployant, because for some reason we don't want to make this oy follow the same rules as OI. We don't want to get quite to a bright AH vowel somehow. Yeah, o, OI and OY are two spellings that really should sound the same. Mm -hmm. uh, we have, so we have an OI example here at, uh, a little bit before. A ma voix, joie, proie. 
Exactly. So we do a few of those in here. Yes. And I feel like those seem like they're we understand them. We we know we've seen the word moi all yes. the time, so we get that. And well, and I think the the. I guess the, the danger here is to sing déployant without, exactly. without the wa uh, glide to the a feeling. Uh, and I think it's because the wa serves two functions here. It, it will first do that w glide a sound, wa, but then it also serves as a j glide with the rest of the, of the word. So it's not déployant, but it's déployant. And then whenever that happens, when you have a, a letter that sort of works in combination for two different sounds, it's a little confusing. Yeah. Oh, I think we, we see the Y and we think yeah, and then we forget that the O is also connected to the Y. That's exactly right. So you have to connect with the letter before and the group of letter of letters after. Yeah. Which is where I think that the confusion happens a little bit. But it's just definitely déployant. The letter C at the end of a word is often pronounced. I know we like to talk about all, all the letters in French that no one ever pronounces, yeah. as we did with the, this third-person plural rule. But when we see a C at the end of a word, I don't want to say all the time, but I would say a, many times in my experience, the letter C gets pronounced. Most of the time, unless you're dealing with a nasal vowel at the end of the word, mm -hmm. and then that's, that's a whole different set of rules. But mm -hmm. if you just see a vowel with a C, yes, it will be, it w it will be pronounced. Here we have estuc, which is a, an old... Uh, fencing term mm -hmm. so not very common you will never use that ever again um, <laughs> and beck uh, that you will that's just a word for beak so that's actually a common word uh, and both c's are, are pronounced one issue that comes up we will see in some editions qui vivra vedra mm -hmm. but that's italian right that would be italian it's it's actually a typo that has that has perdured in in the editions, uh, it should really be qui vivra verra. I'm actually not exactly sure why this happened, but the the expression exists in both Italian and French, and they're very very close. They're very similar. Qui vivra vedra or qui vivra verra, and you know, like it's just a matter of moving one letter, and then you're in a different language. Yeah. Um, so here, it should really be qui vivra verra. The reason I actually noticed this the first time is because I was. I was in a master class and the singer was singing qui vivra vudra, following the rules of French diction. But this word doesn't exist as vudra. So, no, no, no. So that, that's so, funny, actually. Right? If, so if you're going to sing this in Italian, then sing vedra the way you would in Italian, I believe. Uh, yes, but really you should sing it in French and just like do, just do it right. <laughs> exactly. But if you're going to uh, actually use the Italian words, at least pronounce them in Italian. Yes, exactly. Because vudra does not exist. <laughs> We did jump around the text quite a bit, as I promised at the beginning of the interview. Now for a few things that we didn't cover. One of the biggest mistakes foreigners make when singing in French is to not make enough distinction between the O nasal and the A nasal. Oftentimes, both of these vowels will come out as en. It may be because older diction references use an open O for the O nasal, but it has become common practice to use the closed O for this sound, and it should be based on this very closed O vowel. The A nasal is based on the dark A, which is very close to an open O. These two sounds happen back to back in several phrases here. Déployons ton aile. Déployons ton aile. 
leurs chansons. Leurs chansons que fuit citérer. Nos amants comptent. Nos amants comptent leur tendresse. Be sure to get the underlying vowel correct so that you're singing the proper nasal vowel. In French, we don't double consonants. Instead, we keep the vowel as long as possible and the consonants are short and gentle. Since most of us studied Italian diction first, we see a double consonant and our first instinct is to try to lengthen it. But that's Italian. In French, double consonants serve only to open the vowel before them, usually. Raisonne will have a long open O. And when you see words like belle and tourterelle, be sure to linger on the open E vowel and not the double L that follows. These words will rhyme with the word for wing, elle, A-I-L-E, which is not to be confused with bataille and taille. The spelling I-L-L-E is a grouping that becomes the J-glide, so there's no L sound in these words at all. Depuis hier, je cherche en vain mon maître. Est-il encore chez vous, mes seigneurs capulets? Voyons un peu si vos dignes valets à ma voix ce matin aux paraître. Que fais-tu, blanche tourterelle, dans ce nid de vautour? Quelques jours déployant ton aile, tu suivras les amours. Au vautour, il faut la bataille pour frapper des stocks et de taille, leurs becs sont aiguisés. Laisse-la ces oiseaux de proie, tourterelle qui fait ta joie des amoureux baisers. Gardez bien la belle qui vivra, verra votre tourterelle vous échappera. Un ramier loin du verbocage par l'amour attiré. Alentour de ce nid sauvage, à je crois soupirer. Les vautours sont à la curée, leurs chansons que fuissitérée résonnent à grand bruit. Cependant, en leur douce ivresse, nos amants comptent leur tendresse 
aux astres de la nuit. This interview with François Germain was conducted by Ellen Rissinger. Translation and phonetic guide by François Germain. This has been the Diction Police Special Diction Unit, a production of Singing Diction GBR.